Hi, I'm Jago Wynn and welcome to the HDC Daily Podcast. We as a church are meeting daily on Zoom to speak to God in prayer and to hear from God in the Bible. For those of you who can't join us live or who want to listen again, we're featuring the daily Bible thought as we journey through the book of Acts and we're also including how we're being encouraged to pray each day. Today, it's me. Well, one of the ways we celebrated Pentecost yesterday was through the song Good Grace. Do go online and listen to it if you haven't already. It was sung by over 60 in our church family, men and women, black and white, old and young, rich and poor, reminding us of the unity we share, a unity in Jesus by the Spirit. And don't we need to know that unity now more than ever? The first Pentecost, as God poured out his spirit on all believers, it led to an extraordinary breaking down of racial division. We saw that in Acts chapter 2. And the tragic killing of George Floyd last week shows that the world still needs that today. An end to racism, a recognition that black lives matter. And so whoever we are, whilst we may feel helpless to know how best to help the situation, The huge encouragement is that the Holy Spirit is not helpless. He is intrinsically invested in breaking down racial divides. Now, if you were on HDC Daily on Friday, I spoke then that this passage we're looking at right now in Acts 4 and 5 is a challenge in many ways. I said on Friday, in a sense, it teaches us two things. Firstly, that the church is God's family, and we saw that on Friday. But secondly, that the church is also God's dwelling place. And we're thinking about that today. So we probably know how the New Testament talks about an individual Christian being a temple of the Holy Spirit. But it also talks about the church, Christians collectively, being a temple of the Holy Spirit too. So Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16, he says, Don't you know that you yourselves, that's you plural, are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives among you? So the church, us collectively, is somewhere where God lives among us by his spirit, God's dwelling place. And we see this, having had the sort of snapshot of the church as God's family on Friday, we see today these two uh, examples that come next in Acts. So there's two verses on the positive example of Barnabas, who's marked by generosity and honesty. And then we've got 11 verses on Ananias and Sapphira, this famous or perhaps infamous negative example of two people not living out what it is to be part of God's family. They're marked by dishonesty and deceit. So let me read, and it's going to come up on the screen as well, uh, these two examples. The positive one, which is shorter, and then the negative one, which is longer. So it goes like this. Acts 4.36. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and bought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now, here's the negative example. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife, Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You've not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. 
Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. So there we go. Um, Let's first recognise this. Uh, To all appearances, Barnabas, the good example, and Ananias and Sapphira, the bad example, to first appearances, they did the same thing. Both sold a property. Both brought proceeds of the sale to the apostles and both committed the money to be distributed to those in need. But here's the difference. The difference was Barnabas brought all the money and Ananias and Sapphira only bought part of it. And let's be clear, it's not necessarily a sin to keep back some money for themselves after selling the land. It is the sin that is that they did it deceptively, obviously pretending that they were giving away all the money from the sale when they were only giving away part of it. Now, why did they do that? Why did they give the impression that they'd actually given the full amount of the sale of the land when they'd actually kept up some for themselves? It seems that they wanted the rest of the church to think that they were super generous, perhaps even competitively as generous as Barnabas. You see, they were focused just on human approval. Certainly, they were focused on that above God's approval. Think of what Peter says. I think it was verse five. He says, you have not lied just to human beings, but to God. They were thinking of the church as just a human institution. They forgot that the church is God's dwelling place. Let me read that verse in 1 Corinthians again. But next, I'm going to read the next verse that's less well known that comes after it as well. It says this, you'll see it on the screen. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? And then it continues, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person for God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. You see, the church is God's dwelling place. And that's the problem. Ananias and Sapphira thought they were just doing things to look good in other people's eyes. They weren't thinking about how they looked in God's eyes. And I don't know about you, but I confess that too often that is a problem I have. I'm thinking more about looking good in other people's eyes rather than looking good in God's eyes. So what's the right response to this tragic incident? Well, it comes twice in verse 5 and then verse 11. The right response is fear. Verse 5, great fear seized all who had heard what had happened. Verse 11, great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. So this is believers as well as unbelievers being seized by great fear. Now, Christians, we don't need to fear God's judgment because Jesus has paid the price of our sin already once for all. But we rightly should still fear displeasing God. We should fear taking him lightly, thinking that we can live as hypocrites. So it's easy for me to impress you with apparent godliness. And it's easy for you to impress me because especially at this time, we don't even sort of see each other physically so much. But even when we do see each other physically, we don't see each other's hearts and motives. It is easy to live a double life. But we're reminded here God sees everything. Now, mercifully, he doesn't always, indeed, very infrequently, he doesn't often do what he did with Ananias and Sapphira. But we are right to read this and in response have a right fear and awe of God. Maybe for some of us, 
we know we are living a completely double life. Maybe a a sort of a church me and then a non-church me that's completely different, a total contradiction of each other. And today, God is mercifully giving you time to repent and receive his forgiveness. You can do that today. But for pretty much all of us, even if we're not living a complete and utter sort of double life, we're reminded here there is always some hypocrisy in us. And there is a tendency towards complete and utter hypocrisy. And what we're reading here is the best blockade on the road to hypocrisy, the best blockade, the best thing that stops us from going down that that, that direction to a double life. The best blockade is a right fear of God, a fear of him who dwells in us and amongst us. The church is God's dwelling place. Let me finish with one of my favourite quotes of William Wilberforce, a man of such overriding integrity. What led him to that integrity rather than a double life? Well, look at what he wrote. He wrote this, I resolve to endeavour henceforth to live more for the glory of God and the good of my fellow creatures, and we certainly need that today, to live more by rule as in the presence of him by whom I shall finally be judged. Wilberforce there with a right fear of God. God present with him in the present and God there with him in the future on that final day, as in the presence of him by whom I shall finally be judged. May you and I be those who can echo William Wilberforce's words today. Amen. Thanks, Jago. The way that we prayed this morning was in line with that quote by Wilberforce, that as we live in the presence of God, we live not for our own glory, but for God's glory. And we live for the good of our fellow creatures. And so this morning we prayed around our own personal integrity, and we also prayed for areas of, particularly at this time, racial divide and racial injustice. Can I urge you to seek God's presence today and to see what he does and see the way that he leads your prayers in line with his will and his heart.